Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing Hawkeye episodes one and two, Never Meet Your Heroes, as well as Hide and Seek. All that and more that we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. And we have two wonderful guests in the studio with us today. We have Matthew Fox and Melissa Khalil. How you guys doing? Good morning. I am fantastic. I woke up at 2 a.m. to watch these episodes, and they mm-hmm. were great. I stayed up till 2 a.m., but then I convinced Fox to go to bed with... Not to go to bed with me, but to go to bed. <laughs> I need dinner and flowers for that. But, um, yeah, I'm super psyched. It's been a while since I got to join you all on the MCU cast, and... As someone who has been a long time, like, MCU is best on Netflix, this felt like the closest thing to a Netflix MCU show, and I am so here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Just to give you guys an update on the cast, and for anybody who happened to show up last night, uh, we were supposed to do this at 2 a.m. last night, do the live watch, then immediately do the podcast, and we got there, and Jeff could not make it. I thought Melissa couldn't make it, and then uh, no one was showing up in the chat, so we were like, well, I guess no one's here Let's just put it off till the morning because I'm not going to be as good as I will in the morning if I, if I sleep first because I'd been flying all day. I flew to Dallas and, um, and then it turned out once I, once I shut it down, I, I got messages from people saying, Oh, I was in the chat and we were like, wait, what? And then apparently it was seen or was messed up. So if you were in the chat and waiting at 2 a.m., very sorry because we didn't, it wasn't showing anybody but me and Fox. So it was weird. Very sorry, I uh, could not stay awake. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I should have made that decision when you made that decision. I didn't. Yeah, we stayed up and then decided no one's here. Let's do this in the morning. I think it was 10 p.m. I was like, I'm good. Yeah, I should be fine. And then about midnight, I was like, God, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's been so many nights of like staying up until you know one thirty, two, two thirty, working on code and and getting this project done. And it was like, oh, it's all catching up to me right now. Okay, maybe I should sleep forever. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm super, super so, glad you're done and that you can join us. Cause let's talk about Hawkeye. Yeah. yeah, we got a show to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, what were your thoughts, Jeff? So, you know. Melissa and, 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 and Fox here, um, started with a lot of excitement. I unfortunately don't have as much excitement for part of the show, for, for part of it. Interesting. Jump for in, part of it. Jump into a negative first though. All right. Go for no, it. No, it's <laughs> not entirely negative. It's just, there's part of it that I'm, I'm not as much a fan of. I absolutely love Clint Barton, dad. Like, Mm -hmm. I want Clint Barton, dad content all day, every day. I want him and his, I just, I want to watch like a sitcom of him and his kids all the time because I love them. I love, I love that, that aspect of him. I love them so much. Like when the, when Nate signed, I love you dad to him. I was like, Oh my God, this kid so much. Like Mm. it's, and then like, Seeing seeing Clint reacting to Rogers the musical, like possibly the worst musical that I've ever seen that I need to see. Uh, <laughs> but I can stand to see a little more. <laughs> yeah, right. Like 
watching him react to it and just and being hurt and broken at seeing the the gnat on stage mm-hmm. dancing around like you know he watched her die he watched her sacrifice herself fought with her over mm-hmm. the the chance to sacrifice themselves for the universe and he sees this person prancing around on stage like you know that's gotta hurt mm-hmm. and i like i was just every time it went back to kate i was like no 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 give me clint like <laughs> tell me get, no i want more clint like when when kate was in the costume and fighting the the russian guys i didn't i, I wasn't convinced i was not convinced that she was a you know multi-time state champion fighter it like the choreography just wasn't there for me she was not convincing as a fighter um it may have just been that scene it may have just been um you know that that little bit but i liked her more as the kid sidekick who's trying to force this guy to teach her how to do the things Mm. Be, mm-hmm. Like watching her fangirl out over like you're my favorite Avenger. Can you sign my bow? Like that was great. I love her for that. Like seeing him go from dad, like dad Barton to kind of like father figure esque Barton and like, you know, trying to pull out the dad mentality on, on this kid. Like, <laughs> what are you 17? I'm 22. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't you be in school? Like all those things. I love, I love that interaction. I just, I wasn't sold on her as a fighter. And I think that kind of put me off a little bit right at the beginning mm-hmm. of it. I think that's the only mm-hmm. part of the show that I was unhappy with. I did not feel that way, but mo- like mostly because you see her in the light of Clint as a fighter, because basically every move she does in that scene you're talking about is just an evasive maneuver. Like she has one where she like drops a guy on a hood, but it's still just to get away. Like the guys are attacking her and she just does a move to kind of skirt them and get away. Skirt, skirt, just going left and right. Well, I meant, I meant in the wine room when like in the, in the room where the auction, the black oh, market right, auction right, was right. happening. I guess that entire sequence I put together. That part especially was just, it didn't do it for me. Okay. I thought the same thing too. Like she was like hopping over like eight foot wine cellar counters. I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> like, who is this person? <laughs> like, obviously they had the whole montage at the beginning. You know, she's a great fencer gymnast. I think there was something else too. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, Oh, yeah. this, this martial is a new arts. thing. It seems like martial arts. Thank you. But I was like, this seems like a new thing for you. Like I like it, but I feel like it just kind of came out of nowhere, but I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. <laughs> I guess none of that bothered me because I've been watching like a bunch of like college students play tag championships. You know what I'm talking about? Have you guys seen this on like I'm sorry, ESPN three? Where, where can I stream such events? Sidebar. I don't, I don't. It's like I've been watching ESPN three and it's people doing the tag championships. The Ocho. And it's just like one one guy chasing another guy, but they're doing all that kind of stuff. They're like jumping over big railings and stuff. And I'm like, if those guys can do it, then like the whatever multi-state champion like gymnast can probably handle it. <laughs> so I feel like I just need to record that moment of Matt saying that because for all of us, because many of us will often ask Matt like, Hey, what about this awesome new content? Let's record on this. And the response is often very legitimately. I just don't have time to watch that. <laughs> I've always been very happy to hear that excuse. I feel like maybe. <laughs> 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 Here's where I've watched the tag championships a lot for some reason. One of the bars I play in on Sundays, I guess it's always on on Sundays, because one of the bars I play in on Sundays, they have it on one of the TVs that's right in front of me. 
And so while, and it's, they, there's always a bunch of TVs in front of me at all the bars I play in, but a lot of times they'll be playing narrative content that I can't really like follow. But tag championships are perfect to follow while you're playing music. I'm up there playing music <laughs> and watching these guys dive and duck and sweep and it's pretty great. That's fair. That's um, fair. <laughs> just on the fighting thing though, I, all I was going to say is the sense that I got was that she was someone who has done competition martial arts for all of yeah, her life. Right. But then now that she's in mm-hmm. an actual combat setting, where like there aren't exact rules and you're not trying to like score a point and then stop. Like that that's to me, she was like the person who has been like studying academic and like in a gym, but now that she's in the real world, that's where she's really struggling. And so I don't Jeff, I don't I I'm not a, as knowledgeable about fight choreography, so I might have been missing a lot of the stuff you were picking up on, but that's what I got in terms of her being like having a lot of great moves, but also feeling very timid and un- and unschooled. You know, that, like, using that as headcanon could probably, like, that, that does kind of ease the, the, n- not anger, but, like, the, the distaste for it. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. She's, you know, she's a, a gym fighter rather than a street fighter. Yeah. And Hawkeye, you know, like, when, when Clint Barton sees it, he's just like, God these kind of people they're the worst mm-hmm. and just like walks up and trashes everybody because you know that's his life was you know being a, a like he said you know I f- and i fought thanos <laughs> <laughs> well that's kind of what i was getting at when i said because you see it in the light of what hawkeye does like she does all these moves she has all this time with these tracksuit mafia guys gets away from one gets away from the other might knock them down but they're all kind of like getting back up and then she ends up in a car with them surrounding her but then when hawkeye shows up he lays them out you know what i mean like yeah so there's clearly mm-hmm. she's good but she's not she's not hawkeye good i guess there's like a right. there's levels yeah. right so i bought that it's a it's a spectrum right yeah. <laughs> We're probably going to see later that uh, this this Echo person, or sorry, this Lockwood Cox, whoever this character is, right, uh, is is going to be somewhere else on the spectrum. That's a weird way to say that on this fight spectrum, um, fighter spectrum, and you know, fingers crossed, might get Florence Pugh. Right? Oh, right, we definitely right. are, by the way. It's confirmed. <laughs> and I thought we were getting her because when they got in the van, they're like, no, she wants him alive. I was like, here we go. Where's my girl? Where are the pockets? Where is she? Where are the pockets? Yeah, like, it wasn't her. Russian guys, her as a leader, like, come on. Come on. I, like, it was right there. I mm-hmm. felt so clowned. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's coming, but just. I th- uh. The whole episode, I just kept thinking of all of the different uh, uh, defenders characters they could connect with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luke Cage wouldn't take this shit. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if nothing else, my hope is that, like, I'd love to get one of the defenders in that regard. But if nothing, you know, we already know they're on the on the run from the law. I I'm hoping for like. Kate or or Barton or one of them has to appear in court and like Matt or Foggy or someone like that shows up to help them out, you know, even just that, like, give us that. And let me actually just ask that, like, did you all get that same set? This felt to me very much like like a a Netflix show, like the opening credits very much were that of the first episode, like just the Mm -hmm. the the atmosphere of it, the the not really superpowers. Did you guys get that same sense? I, you know, I, I love the opening sequence actually, uh, in that first episode because 
it did so much to tell the story of her growing up. You know, yeah. it, it, it was the montage without actually having a montage in a weird way. And we skipped a lot of the things that like that they could have you know wasted a lot of time filming and and uh, and like showing us different versions of Kate throughout the years and you know having to get a bunch of different actors i wanted more of that little girl that said i need a bow and arrow like i loved that line it was just like her <laughs> inspiration of hawkeye and just being like it's just a little bad angry girl going oh, i need a bow and arrow i love that point of view in the opening sequence though like the side of her building is just gone and yeah. all she sees is like clint just firing arrows at a million miles an hour jumping off the roof as it explodes and then flying yep. into the building i was like oh what a cool like what a cool pov from like an iconic moment that we all know i loved it yeah, yeah. totally and I love that she's like, you got to teach me about trick arrows. And he's like, there are no trick arrows. And she's like, bullshit. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> you lying sack of shit. I saw you jump off that building. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the moment when like she tells him that like, no, I was, you saved my life. Like I watched you right. in the battle of New York, save my life is. Yeah. I feel like that moment has to happen. Oh, it has to. Yeah. I think for sure, because I think, I think there's a number of really interesting themes that the, that we're already getting introduced to, and one of them is a kind of, like, don't meet your heroes. You know, it's just this idea of, like, she has had this, like, mythological idea of Clint, of Hawkeye, in her mind for the whole time, and I thought one of the most, one of the most poignant parts of the whole thing to me was sort of watching her, not not even just disappointment, but, like, the whole, like, that's not how I wanted our meeting to go, you know, like, <laughs> when he's saying goodbye to her, and she just is not ready you know, she clearly wants him to be her role model. She wants to, like, you know, be his sidekick now and forever. And I, I think, and, and I think it's not coincidental that we're getting that as Hawkeye is watching himself on stage, you know, and it's, he himself is wrestling with how do people see him and the difference yeah. between Barton the man versus Hawkeye the legend. And so I, I'm just really mm -hmm. interested in seeing how that whole storyline is going to play out between the two of them. Like, you know, the, who is she connecting? Is she connecting to Barton or is she connecting to Hawkeye? Well, and I think what you bring up is perfectly apt. Like the idea that she has seen Hawkeye in this way that Hawkeye is pushing against. Hawkeye's watching the Rogers musical going like, Oh no, I don't, I'm not comfortable. I'm the spy. I'm not comfortable being the hero really. Like I'm not comfortable being the guy who's, who everyone looks to. And so throughout the whole show, they, they buy his dinner uh, people walk up to him for autographs and all this stuff. And so when he sees Kate Bishop, she's different. She's someone who he saved her life. She, he inspired her entire life. When she says, I need a bow and arrow that, that, it, that propels her life into this life of excellence as an archer and a martial artist and all this stuff. And like, he doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know that that's like why, who she is. Um, and so when she walks up to him and says, can you sign this? It's like, it's, it, it's just another in the line of people that are just wanting to piece of his fame. And that's not who he is. And he is pushing against that idea. And when she, uh, he asks, like, what am I selling? She says, inspiration. Like, yeah. you're not just selling toys. You're selling inspiration. Like you inspired me. And I think he's going to have to learn that lesson. That, like his fame ha can have a positive aspect to it. Yeah. Well, I think though that I, I, and I love this, this juxtaposition of it is that she sees the outside of it. She sees the sheen, the sparkle, the, the glamour of, of the hero world, but 
he is dealing with, you know, the, the PTSD basically of all of the shit that they've gone through, all of the, all of the awful things that have had to be done as a hero, having to watch your friend throw themselves out of your arms Mm -hmm. into an abyss and fall and die. Like he's, he has had some bad shit happen, you know? And that's all he can, that's all that's in his mind. Like, like when, when, you know, he's got the hearing aid, she's like, you know, what, what happened to make you need the hearing such aid? Such a he's good like, moment. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> no, it's, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful joke. Cause he says, he says, what, when, how did you lose your hearing? And then it just shows a him from all of the Avengers moving, having explosions next to his face. And he's like, hard to tell. Yeah, (laughs) all the things happened to me. It's all of it. All of it is the reason I lost my hearing, like my whole freaking life. That's what. Yeah, so good. I I I loved that. I mean, just as like you know, I always want more disability representation, and I'm I'm so happy they're they're bringing that in from his character uh, because I know that was a big part of the comic books. But the other thing, just that I I am so excited to see is that not only is this and uh, I want to give a quick shout out. Cordo B just commented in the. Uh, uh, Twitch chat, who does Clint want to be? Can he reconcile his three identities? Because I think it's not even mm. just about Barton or Hawkeye, it's also about Ronan. And I, like, I remember oh, yeah. when I watched the, um, you know, Infinity War and Endgame thinking, like, okay, I, I get where Ronan's coming from as the here, as, as this character, but like, a lot of people I think were like, this is, doesn't seem very heroic what he's doing here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like that, like, the, this seems very clearly acknowledging that, like, that he is, troubled in some ways by what he did as Ronan and that now that the Ronan identity is out there as well and that he's both everyone thinks of him as this great hero and he remembers this time when he was like killing bad people but basically killing people to work out his issues about losing his family not out of like you know what needed to be happening necessarily I'm just so excited to see all of that coming together and seeing Mm -hmm. like I think it should be a great exploration of who he is and and with all this history he has. It's really, it's really four identities. If you think, cause it's like the hero that everyone sees that Kate Bishop's clearly influenced by, but then there's the spy that he thinks of himself as, and then there's the dark Ronin times, but then there's just the father. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's just, these like all these fractured parts of him trying to be who he needs to be. And it's a lot of weight on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I will say about him being a father, like that, that aspect of him being a father grounded this show in a way that like I don't know I guess I didn't expect it was really emotional when even these smaller missions that I don't think of Hawkeye being scared to go on or be having his family like 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 he said I fought Thanos like these thugs shouldn't bother him and they kind of don't but like when you see his family worrying about him and his his wife discussing uh the whole thing I love the wife talking about uh, him going and using one of Nat's moves which is the what did, did she call it? The catch and release. Catch and release. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He called it a little catch and release. Yeah, which is is what Nat would always do is let herself get caught and uh, by by whoever. Yep. Love it. I love it. He's given me everything. And you know, speaking on uh, on Linda Cardellini, Mama, as he keeps calling her, <laughs> Mama Barton. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see a hero persona, her, uh, a hero person talk about the things that they have done with their significant other rather than yeah. just try to hide it from them. Cause mm-hmm. you know, on the phone, she's like, 
you know, what about the, uh, what about the, suit? the troubling, the, was it the troubling wardrobe? Mm-hmm. And like, that indicates that he's talked to her about it. Like, he's confided in her. Like, this yeah. is, this is what I did while you were gone. Like, this isn't me, I know, but, you know, you were gone for five years. Like, I went down a, a dark path and, you know, I'm gonna not be that guy anymore. You're back, but, you know, this is what happened. And she accepts that because, mm-hmm. you know, she loves him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really her whole self with his partner. That's huge. Yeah. It's so great to just see that, that openness between them like that. And, you know, cause there's so many times in, in superhero media, it's like, I can't tell my family. I can't tell anybody what I'm doing. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And we get to see her more when she's on the phone and she's, uh, I like her a lot. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She's gorgeous. We didn't get that till like halfway through the second episode. Cause I was wondering as we were like going through the whole Ronan stuff, if she knew, like if he oh, told yeah. his family, because you know, that's a pretty dark thing. Like that happened obviously while they were gone. So I didn't know if that was going to be something he was going to try and hide and just kind of deal with himself while sending the kids back home. Or if, mm-hmm. you know, she knew, obviously she does. So, yeah, it seems like the kids don't know though. And I don't think so. That makes sense. Though. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, I, for sure. Keep the bad shit away from the kids. You know? Yeah. 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 It, it makes me wonder how many of the other Avengers know. Cause cl- clearly oh, yeah. Natasha knew, but I wonder like, did, Oh no! Well, Rody knows. knew. Yeah, that's, yeah, because they were having like updates about him. So yeah, I'm guessing most of the Avengers also know, but still, that's going to be a small circle. And I think it was kind of odd. Like I noticed that they were like, "Oh, nobody knows who the mysterious Ronan is." And like at the end of Black Widow, like the picture that Val shows Yelena is Clint without the mask in the Ronan suit. So somebody out there besides the Avengers knows that it's Clint. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the mainstream, you know, media and whatever doesn't know it was him, but like, s- there are people out there that know that it was him. Mm. The Dark yep. Avengers know. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Don't do this to me, man. <laughs> I, I, I did have a moment, though, of like looking at the two of them. They are not the same body size. And I feel nope. like the oh. most like basic Photoshop use could like compare the the pictures of the two of them and be like, these are not the same two people in this suit. That like, was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, they were like fighting and I'm like, the eyeshadow should have been the giveaway. <laughs> that is not the same person. Especially one of the tracksuit mafia seemed to know him. Uh, he says Ronan, like as if it almost seemed like they were friends. Like he didn't even say it like Ronan, like Ronan, I'm going to get you. He's like Ronan. Like, almost as if they had known each other in that previous life. I kind of took that, like, Ronin? Like, as if, because they said it's been, like, a couple years since the Ronin last, you know, struck. So I thought it was more like, oh, this guy's back? Yeah. Like, I guess that was more how I took it. I think that's totally a a valid interpretation. It just the way the actor delivered it it seemed familiar to me. You know, I think it was familiar. And then, like, oh, God, he's back? Right. Because, you know, the... The, the discussion between, uh, him and his wife, Laura, like, that discussion was, oh, those idiots? Yeah, those idiots. Like, <laughs> they very much know who they are. Right, which made me think maybe he's had interactions and maybe even non-combat interactions. Like, if he knows they're idiots, maybe he's talked to them, which made that line make sense as, like, possibly Ronan? Like, mm-hmm. I remember, oh, yeah. I remember when you threatened me, Batman, or that kind of thing. <laughs> His nonchalant attitude with them when he was captured, like, I could see through this bag, guys, come on. Yeah, oh, it's so and good. Then, like, 
And like <laughs> when he, when he, takes he pulls off his... his hands out and he's just like, I'm just, I'm here to talk to your boss. They're like, Oh God. <laughs> and pull their guns out. No, he's like, I, I'm, need, you know, I need to talk. Oh my God. I need oh. to talk to a manager. It's such a yeah, good line. Is your manager around? I know, you're yeah. the shift manager. <laughs> yeah. You're the shift manager. I need the manager. Yeah. I, it was just to me, it was like Hawkeye combining like the great Natasha moment with Karen. Yes. You know, it's just like, yeah. he's, he's pulling out his own Karen side. It was Hawk Karen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny because he's like a world class assassin. And like yeah. these, these little dudes from, you know, like a small borough in New York just capture him. They're like, we got him. We got us the Avenger boys. That was easy, bro. And they she's like, calling everybody bro. Yeah. She's like, you're not on my level. Okay. So yeah, I just need to talk to who's ever in charge and I'll be on my way. Yeah. You, so you are so far beneath me. It is yeah. absolutely un real how far beneath me you are your guns do not matter to me i would destroy all of you can i talk to who's in charge please (laughs) so i don't read the comics but just from these first two episodes the track suit mafia is just like are they just like gun runners and drug dealers and just like it's just your typical kind of gang okay i didn't know if there was anything okay yeah anything special about them the thing in the comics that is like um it could be exciting uh if it you know happens to show up here is that in the in the the Matt Fraction run that they're drawing so heavily from uh Kingpin was a big player. Yeah. I do think it is very possible he will show up in this show. I think it's just yeah. logically there were two lines in this episode that I was like he's got to be showing up because they said uh before Armand died he said uh I have, he, I have, I don't know, something like I have big friends or something like that. I've, I've uh, powerful friends, and I was like, mm-hmm. who are your powerful friends? And then there was another line talking about Ronan, and he he said that he he, t- he almost took out the head of organized crime in New York, and I was like, mm-hmm. who's the head of organized crime in New York? I think we know who the head of organized crime in New York is. <laughs> well, especially because the head of organized crime in New York had a gang of like low level, like as you were kind of saying, Melissa, you know, Russian mobsters who thought they were, you know, top dog, but really were just pawns. The, you know, the, the, the taxi driver uh, group. And yeah. like, to me, this mm-hmm. is just, it's that exact same motif. You know, it's, it's a bunch of like Russian thugs, the Russian mafia, who are almost assuredly like someone else is pulling the strings, even though they think they're, you know, the shits. Hey guys, this is Jeff. I'm here to make you an offer you can't refuse. Well, you can refuse it, but you shouldn't. This offer is NordVPN for a great, great price. I'm sure you've heard all about VPN services in the past, but NordVPN has got to be the best in the business. And especially with the holidays coming up and online shopping being a huge thing, especially with the world and the state that it's in, your data has never been more important to be secure. And the best way to secure your data is to encrypt that traffic with the service that NordVPN provides. If you're traveling for the holidays, if you're using your phone, your laptop, your iPad, whatever, in an airport, in a a restaurant, public Wi-Fi is notorious for being a gigantic hotbed for hackers to steal data. You can have NordVPN on up to six of your devices simultaneously, so everything you have in all of your pockets and and luggage and, and all of the zippers and everything, all of them 
are secure. And if there's something on a streaming service that is in a different place than you are, then you can access one of over 59 different countries around the globe using NordVPN to you know, make it seem like you're anywhere in the world virtually and access content from those regions. It's a no-brainer for people who want to watch BBC things or Peaky Blinders or, or people abroad who want to watch things in, from the U.S., but the big thing here, the big thing here is they have a Cyber Month deal going on right now. You go to NordVPN.com slash MCU podcast or just use the code MCU podcast and you can get up to 73% off of your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. You got to be quick, though, because this offer is for a limited time only. One more time, that is NordVPN.com slash MCU podcast or use the code MCU podcast whenever you're checking out. You get up to 73% off of your NordVPN plan, plus a bonus gift. And it really is the best thing to secure your traffic. NordVPN.com slash MCU podcast. Do it. Oh, there were so many good little moments in this show. Like, I feel like there were just like little hints here and there that I have like, that it's, oh, there's so many good things. Like the Thanos was right. So uh, good. On the urinal. I was like, mm. Mm-hmm. Those, are, mm. those are fighting words. Like that man lost his entire family mm-hmm. and his best friend. Mm-mm. Yep. But there's also a look on Clint's face because Clint's also frustrated with the world, kind of. Like he's sort of disaffected mm-hmm. at this moment. He's lost so much. He lost his friend and they're dancing on stage about it. Like he feels very, he seems to feel very dejected. Um, and then he looks at that and he doesn't go like, grr. He goes like, ah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, stop your nihilism. It's making me nihilistic and I don't like it. <laughs> he does a little, huh. And then, and then immediately, immediately is like harried by this guy who, A, stands too close in the urinals. Like, all these other freaking urinals here, man. You stand right next to me. <laughs> and then he's like, a selfie would be cool. It's like, it's not really the appropriate time. <laughs> like, I got my dick out, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> And then the guy follows him from the urinals to the, the sink and is like, is, is this a more appropriate time? Like, <laughs> no, bro, you haven't washed your hands. First <laughs> off, like gross, <laughs> get away from me. Like it's, it, it's weird. Like he saw that he saw the Thanos was right. Kind of like huffed at it. And then immediately he's like accosted by this guy. It's like, yeah. God, I wish this guy would be dusted. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we could stand yeah. to lose a few of these guys. It's kind of like the, <laughs> Just, the like implication. One and I just love that moment, especially for everything about the characters, but also like this show is hitting so much of my, I grew up in New York city, nostalgia, Christmas in New York, et cetera. But like every year, one of the most common urban legends that you heard again and again and again was about running into some celebrity at, in, at the urinals in, you know, whatever fancy restaurant. Like, it was just the kind of thing, like every year there was some new version of that story and they were all probably urban myths, but like. So just to have that particular moment felt like such a wonderful little shout out to that like little bit of, you know, New York mythology. Nice. That's interesting to, it's interesting to, to hear that, that there is such a, a mythos in like within New York of, or what, you know, within a region that mm-hmm. is just so unique to that. Cause like, you know, anywhere else, like here in, you know, in Birmingham, it's like, you know, celebrity showed up for a thing. You know, I, I talked to him on the street and it's like, Oh, you, you immediately are just like, cool. They must have been here for 
a specific reason. Mm-hmm. Like they were, there's no other reason they would right. come here yeah. other than to do a specific thing. Like, and you were probably there. Like it makes sense. You know, like when you were hiking, Matt, and they were filming in uh, Ruffner Mountain. Yeah. Or was it was it Red Mountain? It was, it was, um, it was rough. It was Red Mountain. Yeah. So like. You know, it's a very specific thing, but then like in New York, it's like that's, you know, biggest city in the world. Yeah. They're probably just there existing. Yep. New York and, and LA, like, it's just like that's just where they live probably. Yeah. It's very likely yeah. they're there. Mm-hmm. Like of course you probably saw them. That's they're people. They are also people. Yeah. It's it I that's neat. That's just really neat that that's a uh, a mythology. Yeah. We've talked about it before, but I think that's what we're going to get a lot from this show is, you know, usually in the Avengers movies, it's like, you know, one big bad and, you know, them going from place to place, get into the fight. But now it's like very street level, like mm-hmm. how Fox said, it's very much kind of like a Netflix series where, you know, we're getting a lot of his family life. We're getting, you know, just the downtime, you know, a- after a fight, like it was brought up in Black Widow as well. But it's like, I you know, him going to the store to buy Benadryl and Neosporin <laughs> after a fight. And I immediately thought of that quote from Black Widow. It was like, I doubt the god from space needs to take an ibuprofen after a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I just, I love seeing this, just the small little things that you don't normally see in a full-blown, like, box office movie. And I'm just, I'm yeah. loving these shows. Well, and something Definitely. we're getting with that, like, not only are they going to the to the convenience store to take care of their issues with Neosporin and ibuprofen, but also, like, they're, they talk about this just as they talked about in Falcon Winter Soldier, the fact that they've kind of lost connection to the money man. You know what I mean? Like, there's no longer, oh, yeah. the Avengers aren't really a thing. And he's like, she's like, can't we go to Avengers Tower? And she's like, he's like, Tony sold that years ago. Mm. And it's just like, ooh. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, so same, same sort of thing as when we discussed in Falcon Winter Soldier, like, how do the Avengers post in-game? Like, what are they doing for money and life? You know what I mean? <laughs> that, like, made me think of, like, when they were in the restaurant, uh, the guy's like, it's on us. I was like, thank God, that man doesn't have income. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't think his wife has a, has a job, probably. Like, I don't know how he's getting money. Hasn't made a dime since 2012. <laughs> right? Like, the shield collapsed? I don't know yeah. what this man's been doing. <laughs> oh, God. Thank goodness. He needs that money. There's not like a Barton trust fund set up somewhere. Mm. Like, come on. How are his kids going to go off to college? I, oh, I mean, I'm so like, worried. You, you'd think, like, I mean, to put that show on, they've got to buy the rights from people, right? Like, to use their likenesses. I, I don't know, celebrities, so I guess maybe not. No, like, like a lot of times if you're a public figure, you they can just do it. Yeah. Um, so crazy. I, and, like, if we're being honest, there wasn't really a likeness going on. <laughs> contracting service yeah yeah you gotta get paid i you know i mean jessica jones that was always such a thing you know like is she gonna find a paying client anywhere (laughs) i wanted to say something else on the uh street levelness of it and this is to me something that i'm really enjoying about it i'm gonna say this in as positive terms as i possibly can at this point i feel like the mcu is functioning on a number of different levels and more recently, we've been getting a lot of stuff about kind of like the celestial MCU and like the MCU, like playing with time and space and playing with like, you know, what's the nature of reality and what's the nature of like, you know, humanity as opposed to these different beings and stuff like that. And I think a lot of folks love that. And that's awesome. And I love that the MCU is comfortable doing like, yeah, we're doing that. But also, don't worry, we're still going to give you like street level heroes, you know, and I just mm-hmm. I'm I, for me, this is much more my style. And I, and I, I really appreciate that we're getting all of that. You know, the MCU at this point is big enough to say, 
we can tell all sorts of different stories within this universe and, and not everyone has to love all of them and that's okay. And like, I, I admit, I kind of went into some trepidation with that and that like, are we going to be getting like all the multiple timeline stuff and it, maybe we still will, but like, to me, this just felt so much more grounded and like, okay, cool. Now we're back to the stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. Very in yeah. Clint. Very in Clint showing up would be so bonkers for, <laughs> for this particular mm-hmm. show. Yeah, no, like, no, this feels very much more, more grounded. Like the, the fighting and the, the problems, but also the, uh, the family really brings it down. Um, I, I, I want to bring this up because we, I feel like we haven't talked about it enough. I really like Kate Bishop. I know, I know Jeff, when you brought her up, you were talking about the sort of negatives of Kate Bishop and liking her as a sidekick for Clint. But like, I really like her. Like, I like her personality a lot. Like, I like the sort of, um, I don't know. She's very privileged. She doesn't, yeah. uh, she, she says, she says, be careful at one point. And she's like, says, I'm always careful or something like that. And like, no, she's not. She's not a careful person. <laughs> like, yeah, the, no, the thing she did was the, slightest. like, knocking down that bell tower was like such a good establishing shot of like who she is as an adult. And then they talk about, they show that great apartment they're in. And I think it was, uh, was it you, Fox, on the live chat who was like, it's clear that she's very wealthy based yeah. on this apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in movies, that is not often the case. Like sometimes someone has an amazing apartment and it's just unacknowledged, but then they yeah. quickly acknowledge like, no, no, she's been rich her whole life. Um, yeah. and I think she has this sort of like privileged life that she doesn't really, she feels a little immortal, I guess. Um, well, her mom, her mom said like, that exact thing. Know, yeah. Rich people and children always think they're immortal. And you know, you've always had both. You've always been both young mm-hmm. and rich. Yeah. I love that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that's something like, like a parent says to everyone, like m- maybe not the rich thing for sure, <laughs> but like, you know, and like, I'm 25, like I'm still kind of at that young age where I feel like I'm pretty much invincible. So I like that, you know, we're getting that address that like, she's a kid. Like she probably doesn't think of the consequences of her mm-hmm. actions. So she can just go put on, you know, a suit of someone who's known as a domestic terrorist and go around fighting, you know, gang members. Like she right. doesn't think about the consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's so funny because like, I, I very much relate to the youth part. Also, I, I think I've talked about this before. I went to school with a lot of people like that. And we, you know, those of us on scholarship would always talk about like, yeah, if you, if mommy and daddy can buy you out of anything, then yeah, you, you don't feel like you have as many consequences. And so I kind of love that the one point the mother is saying, like, yeah, because you're rich, you don't think you have consequences. That's a problem. But oh, by the way, me and my rich friends are going to fix that bell tower you broke. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a throwaway thing, but it's like, the fact that she's not in jail or being sued out of her mind for this destruction of major city property, it's because mommy and her friends can basically pay for it. Which yep. I just thought was just such a, like, it was a throwaway line, but so perfect to establish who she is. Yep. Well, I think, I think they are being kind of sued out of their, out of their minds, but like, because they are so wealthy, it's just kind of like, well, that's, that's another problem. thing to have to pay for. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to have to pay for it. Like, they're, she's, she's upset that she has to pay for it, but when it comes down to it, it's not actually a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. To, like, that amount of money is not a problem. Yeah. Like, whereas, like, some, like, one of us would be like, oh, I, I don't have life anymore because, like, my life is dedicated to rebuilding this, I guess. Right. Well, that also establishes how wealthy they are that this, like, irreplaceable clock slash bell tower they're like oh well it's annoying that's annoying that we have to play it's it's a nuisance replaceable thing Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's neat. And, and I kind of get that sort of Tony Stark, like snarkiness off of her where she's just sort of where she is so privileged that she, f- and, and feels so he kind of has that same aspect of feeling immortal all the time until the very end. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I feel, I kind of get that sense of her. She's fun to watch because of that, uh, same brashness. So I, I dig fair. her, I That's dig her fair. character. And I'm excited to see more. There was a point where, um, like I, I was actively thinking to myself, it's like, it's really hard to relate to this girl. Like, right. you know, she grew up, she grew up privileged. Uh, she's, you know, she's got the high life. She's, she's doing all of these, all of these things that it's like, that life is not my life. I have no context for how she lives at all, how she grew mm-hmm. up at all. Like I have none of that context. And it was, it's a little bit difficult to like connect with her and, and, and see, you know, what she's doing. But like, or see why she's doing what she's doing or, or feel, you know, that connection with her. But like, I, like when I started to to think of that, I was like, you know, I just got to give that up. I, I, yeah, I don't relate in any way to Thor, you know, like right. I'm not a God from space. So just enjoy the ride, man. Like, I, I don't know. I was overanalyzing the hell out of her for some reason. And then I was like, stop it. It's often the problems that people have that make us relate to them, especially these characters like, Tony Stark and Thor who are so perfect and have these perfect lives, then it's their problems with their family, their brother that gives us the yeah. context to where we can relate to them. And with Tony, it's like the problems of like, what do I do now? What do I do with my power? What do I do with like this life that I have and feeling conflicted about life? Like we all have those feelings. Um, even if we have a small amount of power, there's like a, a an aspect of like, what, what do I do with my time and money and, resources to help make, do I make the world a better place or do I just keep trying to stack stuff for myself? Um, yeah. Do I do, is it okay if I break with my father's tradition? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's these sort of connections and I don't think she is giving given a real problem yet, but I think we're about to find out like she just yeah. fell into this, mm-hmm. into the lap of this, uh, uh, situation with echo and the attraction mafia. Quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. fell in. Oh, I didn't know we were supposed to bring guns. <laughs> And so I think, I think we're going to see her get problems is my point. Yeah. And I I think to like Jeff's point, I think watching this, I very much get like Tony Stark, Peter Parker kind of vibes Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, the kid that I think wants to do good. And then the, you know, what are they? Not an apprentice. What's the opposite of an apprentice? Apprenticer. (laughs) Mentor. Mentor, that's the word I was looking for. We'll cut Apprentisaur from the... Definitely won't. Sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> it's an Apprentisaurus yeah, Rex. Apprentisaur is what they were selling at the auction there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that'll get cut. <laughs> um, again, Peter Parker, Tony Stark vibes. But the thing I mm-hmm. don't get about Kate Bishop yet is I guess what her motivation is. Like, I feel like Peter Parker, it's very much like, I want to stick up for the little guy. I want to make the neighborhood a safer place for all people. I don't know if I get that from Kate Bishop yet. I feel like her real motivation is just kind of to be a hero and hang out with Hawkeye. I don't know if her motivation is to do good yet. Yeah. Like, I I don't really know what she's about. She said that her motivation was to protect her mother. Mm -hmm. And in that line, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, but why? Like, she just saw this horrible thing happen to her father. Clearly, that's bad. But, like, yeah, I think I'm with you, Melissa. I, I want, 
I think I will believe it if they tell it to us, but I don't feel like they've told it to us yet. Well, yeah, I don't think they've really told us in words yet, but I do think that like they talk about what what do you do in a hurricane, and they even played it, replayed it in the uh, in the intro, and I think that her father saying like the only thing you can control in the face of a hurricane is the choices you make in the face of it, and then when she sees Clint Barton like making these choices in the face of a hurricane, I think that crazy thing in the beginning of the story, this crazy situation of being street level in the Battle of New York or I guess skyscraper level in the battle of New York makes her go like, I got to be ready. And like, she wants to, and that's that, that like determination on her face when she says, I need a bow and arrow. And then I do think there's like a sense of that. She'd been so privileged that she's just like floated through life being very excellent and having the money to do so. Um, but I don't, I think there's something there that like, she wants to be a protector. She wants to be ready when the hurricane comes. Um, but okay. there's also the sense that like her mom, when did her mom start running the security company? I'm curious about that because like, did her mom start running a security company after the battle or was that before? Because I'm wondering mm-hmm. if they both turned toward protection in the face right. of the problem that happened mm-hmm. and like maybe I one in know. a dark way and one in like sort of a inspired I, way. So, I mean, Kate's parents were having an argument that seemed about, Something connected money. to business or money. Right. And, and so I imagine we're going to hear more about that because I imagine that yeah. like the argument that they were having is in some way connected to all this other shadowy stuff that is now happening. I thought so many they years said later. it was that they were going to move because like he, the dad came into the room and she's like, I don't want to move. Right. I yeah. He it, said, we're going to have to sell the penthouse. Yeah. Or no, she said, we're going to have to sell the penthouse. And he was like, no, it'll be fine. But you notice that same penthouse is where she is still living. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <gasps> Maybe their security business really took off after the Battle of New York. That would make sense. Yeah. I think that's what's up is that she built the security business. And like that was the argument that she was having with Armand Third out of seven, okay. at least. <laughs> and <laughs> out of at least seven. That argument that they were having, she said, I built this all myself. Like you know, with my own hands, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, he didn't believe that, you know, I've got some powerful friends too. Yeah. And I think it's that she probably has had some underworld dealings, dealings with people that are less than savory, maybe kingpins, if you will. And he doesn't like that, doesn't want his nephew to be in league with her. So here's a very clear connection, actually. What was the thing that kingpin was so interested in doing after you know, in Daredevil after the event. Save the re- city. Re- but specifically, it was the construction contracts to rebuild the buildings that were destroyed in the attack. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it's a long ways away, but, I mean, that would be a very clear connection, because clearly, like, theirs would be one of the houses, there would be one of the apartments that had to be rebuilt, and, like, did insurance pay off? Is Loki's invasion an act of God in terms of insurance? We don't mm-hmm. know, but, like, well. like, that's maybe how she first connected with Kingpin. Yeah, totally. It's an act of a god. Yeah. <laughs> also, in that first scene, her husband just disappears, which made me think, like... Yeah, there wasn't a body. Yeah, yeah. we never see a body. Yeah. He ain't dead. He may not be. In Marvel, it's it's not confirmed till you see the body. Mm-hmm. And even then... Even yeah. then, yeah. This is really, really... It's it's not even not confirmed. It's unlikely, uh, even if you do <laughs> see the body. Yeah. I, I, you gotta cut off the head. The only way. Yep. Yeah. One other little thing I want to um, just mention just about Kate Bishop's character... I I have you know I don't watch trailers. I'm trying not to pay attention to stuff, so I didn't know much going in. I realized that Haley Stanfield, the actress, 
also played Maddie Ross in True Grit, which very different genre. Many of you not have seen it, but like that character is exactly young Kate Bishop. Like mm. the when when Kate Bishop says like I need a bow and arrow, you know. Maddie Ross in True Grit is like a 10 year old girl who hires a bounty hunter because her father's been killed and is this very like precocious child, but who wants to get involved with this stuff. And I just thought that was a, like, it just made me love what's happening even more when I was like, Oh, Kelly Stanfield has already played this same character as a 10 year old. So of course now she's playing it as an adult. That's funny. Mm. That's interesting. Dig it. She's a little typecast, maybe. (laughs) I I only knew her as uh, the girl from Pitch Perfect 2, and shockingly, she does not play the same character. Uh, (laughs) Probably not. I know, Pitch Perfect 2, where they're hiring bounty hunters. That seems like an interesting way to take direction to take the franchise. That was almost Pitch Perfect 3, if you saw it, and it was horrible. (laughs) We won't get into that. Pitch Perfect, the final pitching. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I have one more question. Yeah, yeah. So this was like breeze passed in the show, but in the auction, the guys who break in and like the ski masks go for a watch from the Avengers compound. That's right. What is the watch? Mm. I don't know. Like, you know. That's a that's that was my question. Mm, like the guy, question. the guy found the watch outside. He was like, "Oh, I I found it," and then got accosted by Lucky the Pizza Dog, and then like. Mm-hmm. Why? Why was that watch important? I thought that yes. I thought that Lucky stole it, and I thought we were going to get like this silly Oliver and Company montage, uh, you know, like dog running through the streets of New York. Why should I worry? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Evans would love that. Yeah, right. I thought that that she was gonna um, like she was gonna take in the dog and be like, oh, he's got a watch, and and you know, real snatch kind of situation, but. The watch hasn't come up again. No. Right. I don't know. Where did it end up? Kate Bishop and the dog didn't get it. Right. That we no. saw. So so it seems that maybe those guys still got the watch. So what does the maybe. watch do? Seems like it's probably connected to... I wonder if we'll find out who bought Avengers Tower. And right. maybe there's something in Avengers Tower that requires the watch to open it. Or, I don't know. Just maybe it's like Tony Stark's watch that opens a safe or something. I don't know. But this is from the Battle of New York. So that would have been years before... It was even called Avengers Tower, so. Juice and Lemons in the chat was asking about uh, who bought the tower and if perhaps it was a particular group of four fantastic individuals. Could be, could be, could be Kingpin. Oscorp. Uh, someone in the chat mentioned, I miss this entirely, but it's a fun little thing, uh, that the bell tower that was destroyed. Uh, J. Oh, Stain U- Tower. Yeah, J.D.U. Meyer caught that it was dedicated to Obadiah Stain. Which is <gasps> oh, cool. really? Oh. Yeah, it was called Stain Tower. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. That's amazing. Good call. Good, good, good eyes there. Good eyes. Ah. Man. Uh, And we would be remiss as a geek culture podcast if we didn't discuss the LARPing scene. Oh my god! Oh, yes. I just want to say that entire scene. Only one thought was going through my mind. I was like, Steve Rogers wouldn't have to go through this. He wouldn't have to put up with this. <laughs> only Clint Barton would have to put up with this. Right, right. There's just like put some respect on Hawkeye's name. Come on, none of the other five Avengers would put up with that. But Hawkeye's no. too polite, and he's too you know he's he's like too polite and too not willing to like actually threaten these people. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that he did though. Like, yeah, he, he, he fights his way through everybody and is like, 
give me the suit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm either gonna, I'm either gonna hit you with this fake sword or this pretend sword, and you're gonna fall down. I'm gonna take the suit, or I'm gonna punch you. I'm gonna real punch you in the face, <laughs> and you're gonna real fall down, and I'm gonna take the suit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was so good. It was so beautiful. But I just need to say, as someone who has been a LARPer for many years, were mostly cops and firefighters. No, 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 no. That was just there was a number of things about that LARP. It, it was kind of like the Ren Fair scene from Loki, where I was like, I love that they're doing this. We're kind of getting almost to like a Galaxy Quest level of like honoring, making fun of the fans. But like, I raised some eyebrows at that particular line. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to think like in New York's the biggest city in the world, so you get a little crossover, a little intersectionality between things like if there's a small, if there's a large enough group of firefighters and cops in a city, then the small little intersection of LARPers could have their own little, just like they have a a basketball game that's like all cops and you know maybe there's a maybe there's a small group of that many of like it's a million cops and. Firefighters. Right. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a hundred that are also LARPers. <laughs> it would be a small percentage. I, many years of LARPing, never been a one. But you know, <laughs> in the many years of LARPing, how many how many times have you burned the corpse? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't discuss that. No, that's classified. <laughs> Email classified. Email classified. <laughs> I love that he's just like, please do not call me. Please do not email me. I don't. I can't have this showing up on my credit card. I, I love this. I love so much when she's like, "All right, call you," and he's like in a very like familiar like I'm your daughter way. Like he's all right. I'll, I'll call you, and he says, "No, please, please don't. don't." I mean, like in the in the LARP situation, he's like, you know, they're asking name, phone number. He's like, "No, no, yep. no." Email classified. Yeah. Just let me sign the thing and let's get out of here. And then he's like, can you take these back to the front desk? I, I can't have that showing up on my credit card. <laughs> oh, yeah, they will charge you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love so it. Good. And he, as he's walking away, he's like, oh, I'm girls, by the way. He's like, nice to meet you, girls. <laughs> I'm I on just, my way. Bye. I just love the humility of Clint as an Avenger. Like, he is not the guy. Like, I do think that there's a little bit of air of... You know, superiority about uh, most of the Avengers, they'd be like, all right, normal people, we have things to do. But Clint's like, still lives in the world. He still has a family. Yeah. He still like, yeah, he doesn't want to just rock the boat too much. He's like, oh yeah, I'll do. I mean, there's a few scenes like where um, Captain America has to deal with the Mac store stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like, the, I don't know. Clint's just on a different level. It's just really well, funny. Like, Steve doesn't know how to act. I feel like Clint's very capable of just being a normal person and being a face in the crowd. Whereas like right. anyone else wouldn't have been able to do that. True. Well, especially because I, I think it's not for him. It's not even just an act. It's that he's like, there's this running gag about how Bruce Banner doesn't seem to know he's famous. Cause all the time he's like, Oh my God, I'm with Robert Downey Jr. I, I kind of feel like Hawkeye has the same thing of, you know, he's surrounded by literal gods and technological wonders and super soldiers. And as he says in Ultron, like I'm just here with a bow and arrow. Like, I think for him, it's weird that people look at him as a hero because in his mind, he's just the average guy with no average power, with no powers who managed to get sucked into fighting alongside these others. So good. So good. Okay. Another line I just oh. absolutely love the gentrification of the, of the gangster hideouts. Oh yeah. Cool. He's like, <laughs> it's hard, man. You see, all of these are being turned into lofts. It's all of the warehouses are being turned into lofts. I couldn't find a better place. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> 
Paul, the guy who's often on my podcast, he grew up literally in the area where um, Daredevil is set, takes place. Hell's and Kitchen. so I was often there. And yeah, well, no, but that's the thing. It hasn't been Hell's Kitchen for 30 years because of the gentrification. Like, we were right. often talking about how Daredevil is a show that, like, does not exist in the modern world. And this, I think, is safe. Like, I love that they had that call out to that. Yeah, one of my friends talks about that, that Hell's Kitchen, New York, is really just like a few streets. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's very small part of yeah. New York, but they treat it like it's this, like a borough or whatever in, uh, in Daredevil. Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. was a big part of, you know, West Side Story is basically set there, but just it's been disnified and gentrified and now it's totally different. Did you catch the, uh, speaking of being Disneyfied, did you catch the, the Disney store, like, gigantic prominent logo in Times Square? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I missed that. Oh, dude, it was like, it was the size of Hawkeye behind Hawkeye. Wow. <laughs> like, they were walking, and I was like, God, that's a big logo. I wonder, huh, Disney exists inside of. Oh, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> As they said in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., try not to think about it or your head will explode. Yeah. <laughs> was there something in Eternals that showed that Star, like, confer- reconfirmed that Star Wars exists? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember there being, like, one of the Earth people had, like, a Star Wars thing. Like, hmm. Wouldn't doubt it. We're way off topic here, but. Wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> um, do we, do, so, do we think. We we all think the mom's in on it somehow, right? In on something. We don't know who yeah. who these oh, yeah. like yeah. who's the tracksuit mafia, who is the tracksuit mafia was the people stealing from the auction. Um the the I don't know. Was it was the mom involved in the auction somehow? We know her father in law is somehow related to all of this stuff. Do we think the mom killed the father in law? Because I kinda do. Cause they had an oh, argument the, like the an hour death? before. I don't know. I don't know. I, like uh, comics knowledge coming out here. Jacques Jacques Duquesne, um is a character in comics who is often known as the Swordsman. Um, oh, okay. Oh, is that the and, fiance? Yeah, that's the fiance. Okay. The the he's he's French and he has his mustache. <sighs> I wanted to rip that mustache right off him. God, he mm-hmm. came on the screen. Never mind. Yep. Go on. <laughs> But he has a he has a long history with Clint Barton in the comics. So the fact that he's showing up here and Kate does like a bit of fencing with him, like that you know, and he stole the sword, like he stole the retractable sword at the at the auction. Like I think we're being led to he did it, but it could be a double cross. I think it's a double know? cross. I think that we're gonna find out that Jack the Swordsman is just like a good a just, guy. A good dude. A good dude. Oh, no. Like, I, I Don't really give do. me that. Don't give me that shithead being a good guy. He's just like a gold digger. Like, he just God. Well, look, she's, she's the one who's like marrying him to marry into a powerful crime family. And maybe he doesn't even know he's in a crime family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's just a privileged uh. kid who's been like, live, like, or, uh, you know, kind of like living off his dad, Armand, who's his, his dad even says, like, you don't have $300,000. Um, that was his uncle. Oh, it was his uncle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get this feeling that like she's marrying Jack to get into this family that is powerful. And now it's mm-hmm. like, and, and, and clearly the, the uncle and her have some sort of like 
business discussions going on. So I think, I think there's more going on between the mom and him and Jack might be like just collateral damage in this relationship. And he might just be trying to be a good stepdad. He like read a book on being a good stepdad. Yeah, he bought a book. <laughs> like, Money well spent, Jack. <laughs> I think that, that would be really I'm funny. I'm really sure that most of those books say don't intentionally lose to a child who you're trying to impress, especially not an adult child. Like, I, oh, yeah. But you're right. I think I, 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 it, like that was so dumb of him to do, unless there's something huge that he's covering up. That I I would kind of love it if it was just him like trying to do the right thing with her and being an utter idiot at it. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that Ugh. idea a lot. It just like it made me think when they were fencing because she was like a state champion or whatever in fencing. I was like, oh, girl, you were kind of fencing during the blip though. Like half your competition was gone. Like, <laughs> are you really that good? You're half a state <laughs> champion at best. Do it. Do we know that? Do it doing math. Do we know that she wasn't blipped away. I think so because a little detail when she was typing her security admin credentials, it's at twelve o twelve o two o two, which would put her. They said 22 years old which would be 2024 so i think that's her birth date so she probably wasn't blipped she nice. was five Nicely in done, 2012 melissa. yeah yeah okay so right. yeah yep. that's a good job good job melissa with that very yeah, very fine I've been, detail i've been training since i was five and she didn't start training until after dad died so mm-hmm. assume battle of new york she was she was five. Right. Uh, okay. Side conversation, just real quick. That's one thing right now that's going on in the MCU that I don't really love. That we need an explanation for every single person if they were snapped or not. Yeah. Mm. Like, and, like I do it to myself too, because like I was watching Shang Chi and I'm just like, well, did were they snapped? Did they come back? Right. W- you know, what are we? What's happening yeah. here? Like, I feel like it needs to be addressed. I like it because you don't, I don't feel like you have to address it. I feel like you can just have a character, they're having a different, especially the further away we get from the blip. Like, it's less like dire that you know if they were blipped or not. But like, it's a nice little wrinkle that they can add into any story that I kind of enjoy. I guess. It's just always something I'm thinking about. Like, were the Eternals <laughs> blipped? Like, were they were they excluded from the the snap? We like, talked about that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think especially, I, I, I'm much more where you are, Melissa, uh, both because I, I kind of want to do it for individuals, but also because, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier gave us this idea of, like, this is one of the major political social justice issues of the day, is, like, how are the people who came back being treated and, and vice versa, and... You know, it's always this has always been the problem as as the MCU gets bigger and bigger and bigger is how do you keep those storylines? But I would like I, I wish I would like to see just like a little bit of reference to that. You know, because it was such a big deal in Falcon the Winter Soldier, and it certainly wasn't solved by the end of it. Um, yeah. That I think, yeah, I, I feel like people would like it's such a I mean, it's such a fundamental experience of who you are that I feel like yeah, it would come up in some way or another. It was a big part of Wandavision too. Yeah, the difference in in outlook and opinion of like you know you people that went away, you've got this you know happy cheerful outlook on life, but all of us that stayed, like you know you don't know what we had to do to keep the lights on. Right. Like, yeah. It it tells so much about a person's character and motivation to know whether or not they went away for five years. Yes, thank you for totally. sure. Oh, I, I totally agree, and I think it's an interesting wrinkle for any character to have. But I guess I don't. Unless it like somehow connects to the blip and they talk about it, like I can I can get away with just like especially now that we're two years beyond it, like it's like okay, this character can just be a character. Um, <laughs> Never I forget the blip. <laughs> I, I think for me, it just it just cheapens it a bit. You know, it it I want it to be a 
it, it was such an important thing. I kind of want that to be just like a, a major thing that affects everyone going forward. But right. you're right. It, that would get into some repetitive storytelling. So I guess it's a hard mm-hmm. balance to find. But you got so many, like, there are shows that are all like, like, uh, what's that show where everybody disappeared? The Leftovers? Um, mm-hmm. there are shows that like the entire plot is like, let's take a seven, I don't know, the four or five seasons and explore what happens to all these different people when someone disappears from their life. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, I think it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, they yeah. could, there's tons, there's still the lots of storytelling room, I guess is what I'm getting at. They could mm-hmm. continue to weave it into different stories. Like, yeah, different ways that affect the different people. There's just, they're just not giving us enough content is what it is. We're, we're not getting enough content in the MCU. They're having to pick and choose. And, you know, they're, I get that they're trying to tell us the important stories or whatever, but like, I want to know every little detail about what's going on with everyone. So like, give it to me, Marvel. I'm ready. My body is ready. Give me more. Speaking of my body is ready. When do you want, do we want to take bets on when Yelena will show up? Ooh, mm, um, episode five. Is, I would say five as well because it's a six episode series. Oh, I would say. I was five. thinking it was four. I mean, I think it was eight. Four. Six, right? Is it four only? No, 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 it's, no, no. It's six episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it goes I'm to the end of December. I, he, he, I, I'm going to guess probably four or five. But to me, the other question is. Is she going to appear because she is tied into everything, or is it going to be that, like, separate from all this, Val has, you know, sent her after him, and we get one episode that's kind of a little bit of a side quest, but where, like, Val, like, because of what Val knows, like, we're able to learn more about the history. Because I I think it it might be the second. I think that would actually kind of be even more interesting than having, like, Val directly tied into all of this. Yeah, now that I think about it, like, where, when does that take place? Like, is Ronan returning in this moment? Could, could that have been when Val goes to Yelena? Like, Oh no, Ronan's back. I know what that means. Da, 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 da. I need, I need you to go take this guy out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Hmm. I would like to, to think that it's like a, uh, a situation where, you know, the, the tracksuit mafia and, and dealing and echo and like all of this stuff that Kate has kind of, caused him to have to deal with like all of that is the the a plot b plot whatever it's the it's the small fish and then yelena shows up and he's like i'm still like i've got this real shit to deal with and like we're we're dealing with can we just button this up like can we just can we just deal with this tracksuit mafia thing real quick get this done like i got real shit to deal with and then like kate discovers like that would be a, an an instance where like Kate discovers what the actual what the Ronin suit actually is and what it means, and she gets to see the the darkness behind that that superhero glean, and then she has to decide whether or not she still idolizes this guy. Ooh, mm. yeah, that could be, be it. it. I, I think another dynamic we might see there is that you know Yelena is going after him in part because she has a fundamental she, she doesn't understand what actually happened on Voramir and. Right. We know that clearly Clint is still processing his feelings of grief and loss for Natasha. And so that might also be another interesting thing is we get him. So that's kind of more about him coming like that. Yes. Like there's some like fight, fight, fight before they finally figure things out. But like him and Elena sharing this grief about like them both mourning her might be a way that they kind of, you know, connect. I I, I hope so. But also, I don't know if they're going to. 
I don't know if they're going to connect or if she's just going to come in guns blazing. Right. Just trying to go after him. Well, that's why I said fight, fight, fight. They're going to connect. <laughs> yeah. So, something's going to connect with something, whether it's a heart to heart or fist to face. Something's happening. I, I mean, two people start fighting and eventually have to start talking because they're out of bullets. Like, that is not a trope we have not seen before in the MCU. It's <laughs> fairly common. <laughs> Natasha and Yelena did that, you know? Yeah. Any, anybody else have any last thoughts? When Yelena shows up, I really want Kate to start idolizing her. Like, <gasps> yes, such teens. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to be like, oh my god, this girl's amazing. Oh my god, yeah. look at her. Look at those pockets. Look at all those pockets. <laughs> she never poses. I need to stop posing. <laughs> oh, why do I pose so much? Yeah. I, I've been theorizing this uh, since, since, since we first saw Black Widow and we knew she was going to be in the show. But I really want Yelena to show up. Maybe she gets Hawkeye, maybe she doesn't. But I want I want the new Hawkeye, her real test of whether she can be the new Hawkeye or not, is whether she can have a sense of forgiveness and convince Yelena to be a good guy instead of a bad guy, just like Clint did for mm. Natasha. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yes. Like, that's really his superpower, too. It's right. like taking, you know... P- taking bad people and converting them to heroes. Like he did it yep. to Nat, yeah. he did it to Wanda, Pietro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah, so like, oh, so, so, so she's, she's been this sort of, uh, you know, like just, just all about the skills and she wants to pick up the skills from Hawkeye, but then that moment she's faced with Yelena, who's someone who maybe she has to forgive about something, or maybe, maybe Yelena shows up and just kills Hawkeye and she has to like learn, like learn to be the, be the guy that Hawkeye is and not just, not just have the skill sets, but also be the hero that Hawkeye is. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the show up and kill Hawkeye. I don't Mark. like can it either, I, but can we I, cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Yelena does, I will be on her side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Here, care what it is. Here's a question, actually, because I don't know, and it would be relevant for this. In the comics, does Kate Bishop take up the moniker Hawkeye? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's actually, there's a lot of discussion in, uh, if you haven't listened to it, you need to listen to, uh, Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye. That the, the narrative story is so good. It's in, it's set in a, in a, in a world where Zemo and the Thunderbolts and a whole bunch of like team of, of, uh, villains kill all of the heroes, uh, or will kill like the Avengers and Hawkeye is left and, uh, And Hawkeye and Kate Bishop do have a discussion of like, you're not Hawkeye, I'm Hawkeye. And she's like, there could be two Hawkeyes. He's like, (laughs) what if somebody walks in the room and is like, hey, Hawkeye? She's like, I'd say, yo, what up? I love it. I'll definitely check that out. It's such a good story. What what, what I'm hoping for then, because one of the recurring things with Hawkeye is he keeps trying to retire. He keeps trying to go back to (laughs) the... And then he's got that, like, Godfather 3, they keep pulling me back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I was so what I kind of, what I'm going to put my money on is that we have the climactic battle scene, and it seems like he's been killed. But then we, like, get the final cut to, he's back on the farm, he's living happily ever after, and then, like, him and Kate, like, basically, like, made it look like he would die, so that he could finally just retire, be completely off the grid. Mm, I like that. That would be nice. I like that. That's where I'm okay with it. Yeah. Whatever Yelena decides to do, I will be on her side. <laughs> she could never disappoint. It's all those pockets. Oh, all those pockets. It's like mom's favorite child. Like- Very last joke I had in my notes that I really loved was, do you need my keys? No. 
<laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> no, I don't need your keys. I, I'm Hawkeye. I get where I want to get. I love it. Yeah. Yes, Clint, you can go into my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us here on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We'll be back soon. Thank you, Matthew Fox. Tell us where people can find your stuff. Sure. Well, um, theethicalpanda.com is the home for all of my podcasting. I run the Superhero Ethics Podcast and the Star Wars Universe Podcast, uh, where you can find a lot of great discussion about Star Wars itself. We're going to get, we're getting ready to do episode by episode about Book of Boba Fett. We've been doing episode by episode about Rebels, uh, on super, on superhero ethics. We get kind of more into the ethical questions about the stuff. I'm sure Hawkeye will talk about. I just released an episode on Cowboy Bebop, which also got a Hanson song into people's heads, which I was really happy about. Mm. Um, and then you can also find me on the Marvel Movie Minute. Which has um, where we're doing minute by minute analysis of the movie Thor. Uh, on that one, Matt, Jeff, Ashley have all been guests. Uh, uh, Melissa, I've not yet gotten you as a guest on one of my podcasts. That's definitely a bucket list item for 2022. So we'll make sure that happens. But yeah, of course, uh, a lot of great, a lot of great podcasting happening over there. Please check it out. Sweet. Anything you would like to plug, Ms. Melissa? I run the Stranded Panda TikTok, so at Stranded Panda on TikTok. I, we will start posting on that again regularly as well. And then watch out for a new Stranded Panda Network website coming Ooh. that I'm designing. Yeah. That'll be coming in the next couple weeks, and we're very excited about it. Yeah, we are. Are we going to get uh, 100 Days of Pockets on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> I could... I could, go I could on. be convinced. We, we, that, that is a need. That is not a want. That is a need. That is true. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, if you haven't yet, please go subscribe on Binger's Assemble. That is our podcast where we rewatch movies, uh, and we are going to be rewatching all of the Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man movies uh, in the yeah, next we few weeks. Probably watching the first one this week. So the Sam Raimi movies Hell and yeah. then the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm super pumped oh. now that we've seen so many of them. Uh, some of the trailers for uh, the new Spider-Man. We're definitely going to be covering those. So check out that. Uh, go, go subscribe on Binge's Assemble. Basically. And we're mentioning that, I should also want to mention, uh, also please subscribe to PandaVision, where myself and Supreme Commander Ashley Coffin will be doing episode by episode of The Witcher. And I promise you, Henry Cavill Thirst will be a prime topic of conversation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Better be. Yeah. That is a man. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes it. it is. Uh. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. That will be all for the Marvel Cinematic Podcast. Peace. War. Until next time, true believers. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.